Welcome back to Press Y, everyone. This is episode 9. I'm your host, Kelton Burns, with my co-host, Cameron Donahoe. Let's get into some news. So, Cameron. Yeah. We like to start it off with some serious news every week, and so business in the front, party in the back, as we do. Mm, the mullet of podcasts. Instant Ramen Company, Nissan, is releasing a gaming cup of noodle in Japan. The noodle will be ener- energy garlic and black pepper yakisoba flavor, and yes, it will have caffeine in it. No <laughs> word on if it hit when it will hit the U.S., but it is currently coming out in Japan. It has like an RGB, uh, like redo of the logo of cup noodle on the front i figured you were going to be really excited for this one i know how much you're on top of the cutting edge of energy products i am yeah i'm uh i got my fingers on the pulse of anything and everything caffeine uh as you can tell by my high energy uh persona right now <laughs> i'm just absolutely gacked out on some gamer fuel um a little fun fact as well, listeners. Uh, I currently have COVID, so this might this might be a little bit more of a mellow recording session for Cam. I'm I'm stoked that we finally have uh, ramen for gamers specifically, um, so they can play video games in the wee hours of the night and still get that energy garlic taste. You know? Can you imagine the first gaming heathen, the true gamer, that's gonna make instant ramen with some like. G fuel as the like liquid base, yeah, dude, just an oh, absolute God. mad lad. Yeah, that's that's when like he ascends to like true uh, gamerdom. He goes to like gamer nirvana. He can play one handed. Yeah, <laughs> his hands are a blur. Well, all right, that was what I wanted to get us started off with. So let's get into some actual, more significant news. So the Switch 2 is reportedly shown to developers. more significant? I fucking doubt it. (laughs) Switch 2, or whatever the next Nintendo console will be, was reportedly shown at Gamescom to developers behind closed doors to kind of show off its uh, its power. The console was apparently running an enhanced version of Breath of the Wild, according to Eurogamer, and kind of like showing like a beefed up version of Breath of the Wild running at much higher, you know, hardware specifications and a different outlet vgc reported that nintendo showed off the epics the matrix awakens unreal engine 5 tech demo on the hardware and they said that the hardware is what nintendo is using as its target for its future console and apparently this hardware is reportedly capable of ai powered dlss upscaling technology ray tracing and some are comparing its visuals to modern consoles so yeah that's all we really have right now to go off of so Nintendo is gearing up for whatever is coming up next. What do you want to see out of the Switch 2, Kelton? So yeah, I was actually just thinking about that as as I was saying that. I, like for launch for launch titles, right? So Switch has such a strong outing with its launch titles with uh with mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild and, and Odyssey. And so yeah, I was thinking about that. I was like, okay, it could be Mario Kart nine potentially. We could have a new mainline Mario game. Uh and I, I just hope yeah. we get another one two switch for the love of god please it's another game, one two switch are waiting maybe uh <laughs> we'll get the sequel to wii sports if we you got know? the sequel to wii sports i would actually lose my mind like i would buy a console <laughs> just to play another wii sports 
What's another I, big Zelda IP or Zelda Nintendo IP that could be used as a launch title? Like, we clearly just got a Pokemon game. You know, we just got a Zelda game. Yeah, they can't do, like, Mario or anything because they make, like, three Mario games a year. So it won't be, like, special or anything. If they made a new Metroid game, like, if they made the the new Metroid Prime uh, as a launch title, I feel like that would go fucking crazy. Also, uh, the I would love to see like a Donkey Kong Country. They they I think they launched the lat like Tropical Freeze or whatever on the Wii U, and that was like a really big thing. Maybe we'll finally get our Captain Falcon F Zero relaunch. Oh, I mean, I don't. I won't bet on it, man. I feel like Mario Kart Nine is like the most <clears throat> obvious option. Yeah, but I also feel like Mario Kart 8 is so established right now that, like, I don't think people would just buy a new console for just Mario Kart. You know what I mean? Because it's yeah. got, like, so much DLC and, like, so much support behind it. It's like the the Smash Melee of Mario Karts, essentially. Like, I bet even when the next Mario Kart comes out, people are still going to play Mario Kart 8. Yeah, you got a point. You got a point. Like Smash, probably not gonna get a new one of those for a while. So yeah, the, I don't. I'm not sure what. I don't. Sure I don't know, man. It's been like five years or something of this. This Smash. But I thought oh, Smash yeah. Ultimate was supposed to be like you know like the penultimate, the, the, the ultimate version of Smash. Yeah, I mean, like I think it's just the last one that Sakurai is gonna be working on. So I highly, highly doubt. Uh, it's the last Smash ever because it's such a fucking mainstay. It's like saying there's not going to be any more Mario games, you know? Like, it's like such a significant part of what Nintendo is. There's not going to be any more Mario games, guys. Shit, <laughs> no more Mario. The uh, the voice actor uh, of Mario recently retired. I know, so... and we're all ears are waiting to find out who the next Mario voice actor is going to be. It's me. <laughs> it's a me. Mario. <laughs> um, uh, I think they should have the stones to kill off Mario. You know, just that's what I want. In the next game, he just gets eaten by Bowser, and then Luigi takes up the reins, and then Dude, we get a maybe Luigi. it'll be Mario Kart Double Dash Two. That'll be the launch. Dude, time. I would actually go fucking crazy for. I realize I'm <laughs> saying that for like every like old GameCube <laughs> game and shit, but I would actually lose my mind and would buy a Switch for Mario Kart Double Dash Two. You mean a Switch 2? Yes, sorry. A Switch 2 version, or whatever it's going to be fucking called. Well, alright. On the topic of sequels, there are no DLC plans in place for Tears of the Kingdom. Developers are reportedly working on a new game in the Zelda series. So in an interview with Famatsu, Aiji Anuma, producer of Tears of the Kingdom, ruled out any DLC plans, and he did drop some comments hinting at future Zelda content, saying that if a new reason to make a sequel arises, they may return to Hyrule, whether that's a sequel or a completely new Zelda game. So this kind of like leads... He's kind of basically saying if there's an idea that justifies making a Tears of the Kingdom Breath of the Wild number three, they'll do it, but it seems like they're leaning more towards making a fully new Zelda game next. I'd be down for that. Honestly, like, I feel like Zelda, the Breath of the Wild series is like done what it's set out to do. Like, it's it's kind of even gone beyond that, you know, like, I think I feel like it changed a lot about the Zelda formula. And uh, I feel like it's got an overwhelmingly uh, positive and satisfying reception. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And for them to like, 
I know they topped Breath of the Wild with Tears of the Kingdom, but for them to top Tears of the Kingdom with like a completely new, like reinvention of the wheel, it, uh, that's got to be a massive undertaking. I I hope they make in more games like um, what was that Zelda that came out between Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom that was like a remake of a, a Game Boy game. Oh, it was like uh, a cute little chibi style. Yeah. That was yeah. awesome. Link to the For, Past. Link to the Past. Was it Link to the Past? Link's Awakening. Sorry. Link's Awakening. Bad. Yeah, that's my it is. bad. Yeah, no honestly, worries. like I will play. I'm I'm not always a supporter of like just take classic games and give them HD remakes. Um, but in terms of Nintendo, like I will play every single Nintendo HD remake, especially of games I haven't played, like uh, like Zelda's Zelda, <laughs> Link's Awakening. So yeah, like I think. Nintendo can just literally print money with HD remakes, so they should definitely do a lot more with it. Indeed. And, like, it's it's literally just, like, a fresh coat of paint. Like, you don't have to come up with new game mechanics or anything like that. It's just make it look nice so we can play it on our Switch. Dude, I would kill for some Pokemon Emerald remade in a Link's Awakening <laughs> style. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did that, bro. They, they did, kind of did it. Alpha... Sapphire and Omega or whatever. I played those, but like with the the Link's Awakening polish, there was something about it, man. The graphics were just oh my god. Also, (laughs) Ruby and Sapphire, great. Emerald better because it has all the in-game content. You know, I whenever they do these remakes Pokemon games, they never make the third one. Like they like you know they always make the the Diamond and Pearl, but they never make uh the Platinum. They never remake yeah. the third one. And the third ones I always feel like are kind of the culmination of the of the first two improved upon. And I understand that like the remakes also have all those improvements in place to some degree and other like new things established. But I would have just liked the Emerald story with Rayquaza being the main thing at the end. Dude, but I digress. Yeah, Emerald's really good. So, Skull and Bones, we've talked about it before. It just lost its creative director, Elizabeth Pellin. She has left the Skulls and Skull and Bones team. This is the third time that Skull and Bones has lost its creative director over like the last 14 years or whatever. It's a good sign. Um, and we have a quote from Ubisoft. Five years ago, Elizabeth Pellin went to Ubisoft Singapore with a mission to reboot the creative direction of Skull and Bones, and a Ubisoft spokesperson told <laughs> and Kotaku. Failed. She succeeded. Oh. And the Skull and Bones team is now fulfilling her vision to deliver a unique naval action RPG experience to our players. So that's what that's what they had to say. She's out of the team, but the team is going to complete her vision. No word on whether they'll get a new creative director. I, I assume they they need one. I'm pretty sure that's a pretty essential, vital role. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Skull and Bones, man, that's a rocky development. And it continues to be rocky. I, I I feel like it's so hard to make like a like a new like pirate sim, considering how big uh, the Microsoft one is called. What is that? It's the Microsoft sea of one. It's the Sea of Thieves. Considering like the weird niche uh, audience that's already capitalized on that, like I feel like it's kind of hard to break in uh, with uh, into that genre, you know? Because like. I feel like Sea of Thieves has been like so alone in this genre that's just been completely capitalizing on all this demographic that want this game. So I feel like your game has to be pretty fucking good in in order to like really uh, rug pull Sea of Thieves. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. The sea of Thieves right now is kind of like a monopoly on the pirate multiplayer big RPG, <clears throat> but I don't think that Sea of Thieves is a strong enough game to like 
be kind of like a World of Warcraft, hold that spot. I think if a better game did come along, I don't think the bar is that high. I totally agree. I, all I'm saying is like it, the game that you release has to be objectively better than Sea of Thieves. Yes. yes. You know, like because otherwise people are just going to continue playing Sea of Thieves because they put so many hours into it. Yeah. Like, I don't think people are just going to casually check it out if it's very similar. Indeed. And you know what I want to casually check out? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Boulder's Gate 3 is out on PS5 this week, and it does not have crossplay. And I was really hoping to casually play some crossplay with some friends on PC. It does have cross-save, so if you you can transfer your save from PC to PS5. But Larian Studios has said that it has always been in their plan to bring crossplay to the PS5 version and that they will eventually get it out. There's no release date yet, but down the road we will be able to play. This is making me feel even better about my decision to play Starfield and put Boulder's Gate 3 on ice because I would like to play with my PC friends. I know a lot of my friends bought it on PC, so I will probably just wait to jump into Baldur's Gate 3, which I'm sure, everyone, I'm very sure is an incredible, amazing game of the year potential winner game here. Like, I know, I'm very aware that Baldur's Gate 3 is incredible. I'm just I'm just holding off for a second. Fake gamer. Uh, fake gamer fake doesn't gamer. even put G Fuel in his gamer ramen. So let's talk about <laughs> games coming out this month, because we forgot to do that last week. So, mm. Starfield is out. Baldur's Gate 3 is out for PS5. Today, the ep- the day this episode releases, Fay Farm will release on the Switch. Yes! Big win yes, for gamers. Finally. <laughs> Next week, we have Gunbrella, Dune Spice World, and Monster Hunter Now. For those who don't know, Monster Hunter Now is like Pokemon Go, but for Monster Hunter. Uh, from Niantic. Same company as uh, Pokemon Go. Later in the month, we have Lies of P, Mortal Kombat 1, Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty expansion. That's actually My massive. time at Sandrock and Cameron. Hmm. We have Truck Driver the American Dream coming out. <laughs> nice. Uh yeah. yeah, lots of uh lots of crazy big releases this month actually. I um, think the next this month included and the next couple months, 2 to 3 months are going to be pretty stacked. It's not like the lead up to the holidays is going to be oh, pretty yeah. nuts. There was a lot of games we saw at PAX that were trying to release before Halloween. So mm-hmm. hopefully we get some more like spooky Halloween games that we can chat about. Because like I feel like that's such an underrated uh, seasonal game. You know, like I am such a sucker for playing games around Halloween specifically. Because there's not like a lot of things you do to like set up for Halloween that you don't watch. I mean, I guess you can watch horror movies and stuff. But like, I don't know. Like, there's, like, you just kind of put up a couple skeletons and maybe make a jack-o'-lantern or two. But, like, I'm a big fan of playing, like, spooky fall games. And so hopefully I get to kind of scratch that itch with some new releases. I mean, Alan Wake 2, man. That comes out right before Halloween. That'll be my Halloween game, for real. Yeah, I, I'm insanely... I'm going to play Liza P. I'm going to definitely finally download Cyberpunk and play Cyberpunk and do all that DLC shit, which is going to be dope. Uh... And yeah, I'm starting to play Starfield right now. I just made my character, so things are going good. Dude, I had to rip the controller out of my hands to step away from Starfield to play this, or to, to record this this episode we're doing right now. Uh, I know that Starfield is getting shit on and is causing a lot of flack. I think that's probably a result of just massively 
overhype yeah. the game received. I think that's the thing is I it's just Skyrim in space, and that's what, always what I kind of thought it was gonna be because like I didn't think Bethesda was gonna completely reinvent their wheel or do some crazy like Breath of the Wild shit. It's right. just like Skyrim in space. Like Bethesda, Bethesda games have always been a little janky, and uh, and yeah, but they're but they're great. I love Bethesda games, and I I was. I remember when Fallout 4 came out, it got a lot of flack and I really enjoyed it. And I think that I'm not I don't think Starfield's going to be my game of the year pick, but I uh, but I do I am pretty confident for just from my time with it and I've only played it for like a day is that it's really fun and it's going to be a good time. My take on Starfield is that like I have no uh expectation for it like I don't really give a fuck about sci-fi games too too much if I'm being honest, it's not like my favorite genre. And I haven't, like, been, I've been excited to play this, but I've never, my expectations are so low that it's like, hey, man, like, as long as you tell a good story and there's, like, some fun moment-to-moment gameplay, then I'm good, you know? Like, is it's the gunplay feels good, and I can do some cool quests, like, I can handle some bugs, I can handle some classic Bethesda jank, you know? Like, it doesn't have to be a game of the year for me. Yeah, that's, a, that's how I'm feeling. I don't know. I didn't expect, really, Starfield to be... Game of the year. I mean, it, it had a potential, right? You know, Skyrim. Yeah. Skyrim dominated twenty eleven, but, but yeah, Starfield is out. It's fun. I'm really liking it. I I've okay. So I've never liked uh, space combat or like aerial combat where you're flying a ship and you're like looking from the cockpit and you have to like track enemies going all around you and you have to just three sixty spin upside down and try to track them and stuff. I've just never been that fond of that gameplay whether it's like ace combat or whether it's some space game and so that part of the game i just don't think is really for me but obviously those types of games do have a big fan base so i'm kind of in a spot where i'm like do i need to like really upgrade my ship to make this a lot easier and more enjoyable or is this just always gonna be a part of the game that i'm not gonna really want to go hands-on with and so i'm just gonna always kind of (laughs) like try to fucking speed through or like stealth avoid it yeah, I, I feel like so often in big RPGs like that, you don't really know, like, what kind of points to put into your, like, skill trees or, like, what things to invest in. And so you kind of, like, just, eat, like, th- there's a lot of times where I find myself, like, kind of fucking myself over because I invest too much in something I realize that I don't need at all. Mm. Yeah, so. so, so far with my character, I've been, uh, I chose the diplomat as my backstory, so I have immediate, like, points in, like, persuasion, I think. Nice. And so then with my points that I've gotten leveling up so far, I've like leveled up my pickpocketing twice, uh, my persuasion and my bribery. So my character is kind of like a sneaky little like persuade and pickpocket and like fucking lie his way through some shit. Uh, and I'm kind of enjoying it. My guy's a soldier because he gets fucking jetpack expertise. And that's rad. Ooh. That's rad as fuck. That's cool. I'm just going to kick some nerd in the shins and then take his shit and then jetpack away. It's going to be dope. Elder Scrolls, I always did, like, uh, the Brotherhood or whatever. Like, I was always an assassin, and then I would join the Thieves Guild. And so I was always, like, sneaky killer slash thief. And I Mm. think I might try to do something like that again in Starfield for my first run just to see how that plays out. Because I don't really... When Fallout... I don't find myself role-playing as hard as I do in, like, Elder Scrolls, but Starfield seems to have a lot of potential to role-play your character. Cool. Um, going off of what you're talking about, uh, like, how you don't really like uh, ship combat or navigating ships just in general, 
like in games. I am also the same, except for one sole exception, which is Harry Potter Quidditch <laughs> World Cup. My God. My God, Harry Potter Quidditch World Cup. You are a champion. You are a man among boys in terms of piloting things. <laughs> Fucking great-ass game. If you guys have a GameCube and a copy of Harry Potter Quidditch World Cup because you're a time traveler from 2007... Is this the game that came out on uh, PlayStation One as well? Yeah, or PlayStation One. I'm I'm a I'm more of a GameCube guy, but uh, you know, if you Ooh, if you roll that yeah. way, no no judgment. But yeah, fantastic fucking game. Oh, dude, my sinuses feel like they're gonna explode. Get it together, Cameron, for the <laughs> audience. I feel like my body is red lighting right now. We got a. I wanted to jump into our uh, just a little PAX discussion on our experience with PAX, and like I know that we have uh, a little episode coming out about our ten notable games that we saw at PAX. But just like overall, like it was really cool to go to a convention and attend it as Press Y and meet a lot of developers and try out a lot of games. There's a lot of really cool games. We had a really my I, my was really surprised. My favorite discussion I had. Over the weekend was with the Wizard 101 team, uh, and I w- will get that episode out at some point. It's going to be a long, lengthy one. I don't know who the target audience is going to be for that interview, but it's like uh, specifically the devs we talked to. That's our target <laughs> audience. They were super passionate, man. Like it was really refreshing seeing them like so fucking stoked to talk about their game. Not that anyone else at the the convention wasn't, but they were just like gung ho. Like we barely even had to ask questions. Dude, it was pretty funny. So, me and Cameron ended up getting like two hours of sleep on the first day before we go to PAX because we were just you know we we worked we worked our day jobs the day before and then we had to get up at like four a.m. to get ready to drive down two hours to PAX and then you know straight into dropping our stuff off and going into the convention to interview. And that first day was like. From 5 a.m. until 9 p.m., like, we are just, like, interviewing, running around the convention, trying to make sure we get all our stuff done. And it, (laughs) there was multiple times where, like, my brain is so fried that, like, I would zone out mid-interview, and then I would realize, oh, my God, I'm zoned out, and, like, my mouth is, like, starting to open a little bit (laughs) and Cameron's looking at me to help him back him up in a question or somewhat in some interview. And, uh, and yeah, it was just a, (laughs) it was a wild ride of an experience during the wizard one one interview. This will remind me of this. (laughs) I take a glance over at Cameron because I noticed that the two devs are starting to like look at me more and they're primarily looking at Cameron because he's the one holding the microphone. And I look over at Cameron (laughs) And Cameron's eyes are like half lidded. He has dark <laughs> circles around each of them, and his like mouth is kind of a gate. And he just looks like completely just zoinked out of his mind, like so tired and fried. And I'm like, oh my god, I can't look at him anymore. I'm gonna burst out <laughs> laughing. So I kind of like turn my shoulder to him so I can get him out of my peripheral to focus on the devs. And I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna crank up my energy to an eleven. Uh, and we're going to maintain this. And then suddenly I hear Cameron like peep up and I look over there and it's like day and night he's revitalized himself. And now he's like 
you know, back at it, back to normal Cameron. <laughs> but it, for like a minute there, it seemed like he just shut down and went into. Yeah, like, I'd have 60 seconds of recoup time, man. I did like a hard factory reset for 60 seconds. Dude, because re- I noticed, I noticed they were like, they were looking at you and not me anymore. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I, I'm clearly just like completely like zonked out right now. Like, they think Cameron I'm going like, to pass active out. recharge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you want to yeah. do you want to tell your uh, your experience with the uh, the Prince of Persia game? Oh, uh, see, that's a we into the first demo of the day. I walk in there, I play Prince of Persia, and I haven't eaten or drinking anything. I, I got two hours of sleep. I didn't eat or drink the night before because there's just like so much preparation for packs. I go in, do the Prince of Persia demo. I had like my knees locked the whole time. I got three devs behind me, like commenting on use this, use this, use this, use this. And I'm just not getting past this boss. And I'm like sleep deprived. I, I needed to like, I should have stopped and eaten something or drank some water or something. My knees are locked. And eventually I'm like, guys, I can't do this. My whole body <laughs> feels like it's sweating. And then I was like, oh shit. I started to like lose my center of gravity a little bit. And I, was, I had to go sit down, <laughs> eat a protein bar and kind of like, recalibrate myself because it was clearly I was just not my body was not ready to like stand for prolonged periods of time performing in front of a bunch of devs so yeah just started off the day real rocky it was uh it was an interesting experience but I think we we set out and accomplished what we were going to do we got a lot of interviews in the bank and if you check our Instagram or our TikTok I think you're going to see continuously a lot of reels or videos coming out with the video, with the audio used from those interviews, so you can get some inside scoop from the devs. Yeah, directly on, uh, from the devs. Directly from the devs or the PR people or whatever people from the the team making the games. On I the do games think. Themselves. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go, no, you go ahead. I think uh, it would it would be pretty great if our first outing as press representing Press Y, uh, Kelton just fucking faints immediately at the first game he plays. <laughs> and it's just me doing like the worst possible interviews because I have like no experience whatsoever doing this. <laughs> it would have yeah, been, uh... been interesting. <laughs> you should have done it for the clicks, man. Imagine. <laughs> for the clicks. Journalist passes out because Prince of Persia is too good. <laughs> I will say, guys, that it seemed like 80% of the games we played were Metroidvanias or roguelikes. So. If you wanted to get your finger on the pulse of what kind of games are currently in development, currently on the horizon, it's going to be a lot of Metroidvanias and roguelikes, and I hope you guys like those because we got a lot coming. We didn't notice very much first-person shooters, uh, which was interesting because I know I've been to PAX previously where there's a lot of first-person shooters, but, you know, maybe uh, the first-person shooters right now, like Apex, Call of Duty, you know, they're pretty dominant. Maybe there's not a lot of room in that space. So, I don't know. It was interesting. It was interesting. I, I, I really liked checking out the games. I'm really excited for Animal Well. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm also pretty stoked for Gunbrella. Like, I saw some gameplay of it, and it looked like a lot of fun. I mean, I'm a big Devolver guy, so, like, the that kind of, like, retro uh, graphic style looks fucking awesome, and, like, the movement looked really cool. It definitely looks like a game that I would love to see, like, speedrun. So, when it drops this, this, uh, this month, I'm definitely going to be watching that. I played a game, I believe it was called Ada. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? I believe it was called Ada. Let me see. Um, yeah, A-D-A. 
action RPG. So this was kind of, I don't know, it was, it was really cool. It had a cool graphic style. I only briefly got to sit down with this game. I didn't even talk to any dev or anything about it. It just kind of caught my eye, uh, and it looked cool. But yeah, guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Press Y. We will be back next week, and we'll have some more kind of like stuff of the tube coming. Uh, and yeah, hopefully Cameron will have COVID anymore. If you guys want stuff shoved up your tubes, we got you. Press Y, baby. Press Y. <laughs> Later. Peace. Later, tater. <laughs>